come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my world. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman who is mad. Hi, and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. I am your poltergeist, Kinsey. I'm your poltergeist, Debbie. I'm your poltergeist, Adrian. I'm your poltergeist, Ryan. Uh, I'm your poltergeist, Donna, and I'm expecting something really great to follow me. Oh, shit, now you've <laughs> set me up like that. Oh, God. Um, your name is Mac. <laughs> All of my you, notes say uh, I'll work and no play make Mac a dull boy, and I, I, I just, I can't, I, I got nothing, so I guess I'm Mac. <laughs> I ruined it for him. I don't know. I think that kind of made it funnier. Just I enjoyed the, it. the panic beforehand. Was, yeah, was what we needed. <laughs> I like it. That was scarier than the movie itself. <laughs> so also, I wrote these notes while I was drunk, and some of my handwriting is not words. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Excellent. That kind of you know, it kind of it kind of feels like it goes with what we're talking about today. One of my yeah. notes is purple penises. That's from room oh. 237. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, thank you. I was like, I don't remember. <laughs> That's the carpet on room 237. Yes, okay, thank yes. you. Oh, and yeah. That, that feels intentional. Yes. That's yeah, absolutely yes. intentional. Yeah. Oh, you're right, because I was like, that's a very Joker-esque carpet when when that scene came up, and then I was like, oh, it's kind of fitting because he's a Joker and all that. Anyway, so we're talking about 1980s, The Shining, uh, the Kubrick opus? We'll say opus. Yeah. Whether you, how you feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, do we want to go around if, li- if we liked Kubrick's The Shining? Do we yes, wanna... if I can go first. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Stephen King's The Shining is one of my favorite books of all time. And because of that, I have really kind of hated Kubrick's The Shining for almost as long as it's existed. For this viewing, I made a really concentrated effort to try to divorce what I was seeing from the book that I had read, and that that helps. I I enjoyed it more. There's some amazing cinematography, yes. some somewhat self-indulgent cinematography. Well, it's Kubrick. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, an amazing performance from Jack Nicholson, uh, an amazing performance from Danny Lloyd, who didn't know he was in a horror movie. So... If you can forget that it has a relationship to the amazing Stephen King book, it's not a bad movie. All right. Rolling, I just am not capable of doing that. Rolling Stone asked Stephen King if he thought it was possible that Stanley Kubrick made a good adapt- uh, bad adaptation, but a good movie. Mm-hmm. And Stephen King flatly said no. But I think he's wrong. I, I think it is a good movie and a bad adaptation. I'll give you that. I, 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 I would go in contrast to you and say... It may be one of my favorite Kubrick movies, but the book is not one of my favorite King books, so that's why I was able to disconnect a little bit better. I have never read the book to this day, and I I actually liked The Shining the first time I saw it, and I liked it less this showing, and I'm not entirely certain why. Did you see the number 42 and the German typewriter? Okay. <laughs> there's, some, I... there, there, there's some stuff going on with the German typewriter, but we'll talk about that. It's not Holocaust commentary, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> 
there's just some weird typewriterology going on. Jump in real quick and say we also watched the documentary Room Two Thirty Seven, which is yeah. nutso, nutso, crazy pants. I watched yeah. ten minutes of it. I feel like crazy. I can talk about the entire thing. To quote community, <laughs> "Crazy Town Banana Pants." Crazy Town <laughs> Banana Pants. <laughs> it's Gonzo, and I love it. So, but that's me. Um, I'm I'm always very torn when we watch when I see Kubrick's The Shining because there are things that I really like about it, and then there are things that I don't like about it. I've read the book one time. I enjoyed the book. Uh, I was it was enough of a separation. It's not my favorite King book like you, Mac, but it's one that I, I enjoyed when I read it. Um, this particular viewing, I was very tainted by knowing the treatment of Shelley Duvall, and so it made it extremely hard for me to even be somewhat. Have you watched Making the Shining, Vivian Kubrick's documentary? I think that's on my blue. It's, it's on, on most of the Blu-rays. Yeah, DVDs. I think it's on there. There's some interesting perspective on that. We'll yeah. get to that in a minute. Yeah. So, yeah. So we, we agreed beforehand. I don't we were, get an opinion? Yeah. No, I don't care what your opinion is. Oh. <laughs> Fine. Give us your opinion. Um, I have kind of grown up with this movie. I like. I don't remember a time when I hadn't seen this. The The elevator bloodshot is just in my brain as far back as I can remember. Um, it's the desktop picture of your operating system. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I have always kind of liked this movie. Watching it this time, at one point I was like, fuck, this movie's long. This is really, long. really long. Mm-hmm. And I felt like they probably could have cut out, cut like every... Um, lingering shot. shot in half and made the movie a lot shorter. And, and any other director might have done that. Yeah. But Kubrick was not going to do that. Maybe not all of them. There were some yeah. that were really impressive that I was like, no, nah, keep that. But most of them I was like, why are we doing this? <laughs> and uh, and I kind of want, really wanted to go to bed at, <laughs> at a point. And... Um, yeah. So I like the movie, but I feel like... <sighs> it's bloated? It's Yeah. It is. Can I offer one addendum on that? I kind of went off the Kubrick deep end this week. I listened to the audiobook of King's The Shining. I watched The Shining. I watched Room 237. I watched uh, the three-part miniseries from the 90s. Blink twice if you need help. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> Which is not a Kubrick... I read part of Doctor Sleep, but I haven't gotten through it all yet. And I watched the Simpsons uh, the 1997 <laughs> Treehouse of Horror episode that had the shinning in it. So the shinning due to copyright reasons, yes. right? Yeah, like, yeah. If you do, I'll just get sued, boy. Um, and then I also went and saw 2001 in IMAX this week. So what? Yeah, I don't know what's happening. You doing well, all right? It, it's playing this week. You can still go see it, okay, and I'm it's awesome it. at IMAX. So would The Shining be. Short thesis on Kubrick, see all of his movies on the biggest screen possible. Period. Okay, I, I can see that. that. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, our TV is pretty big, but it's a TV. But on an IMAX screen, that's... The, the, that's the, that's my, right. the whole of my visual field. <laughs> 2001 was happening to me. Like, it was panic-inducing. <laughs> Once he finally gets to the monolith at, at, at Jupiter, I'm like, I know stuff's about to get weird, but you don't know the timing of it. And then it starts to get weird, and you're like... I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> so I wish I'd seen that with you. Uh, I'd go see it again if people wanted to go. I am. I am. If you ever go see a movie with us, sit next to Mac. Yes. Yeah. 
That's what I've, I've been hearing, that Mac is... Though Ryan and Donna are pretty fantastic to set aside during a film. Just, Just put it, one it, person in between each of you I, three. I'm either asleep, if I'm not into it, or I'm reacting to it like it's happening to me. <laughs> Ryan thinks he's giving quiet commentary, as does Donna. And it, it's not, and it's fantastic, and it makes me giggle. Um, Can I... Um, I just, I just want to real briefly discuss my re- relationship with the book. Okay. Can I say okay, what wait, it's wait, about? Wait, what's, what's the time on that? Because we said we, we, we weren't going to talk about the book we, in the first hour. But we have not made Seven, that agreement yet. Okay. 15 minutes. I don't know. I don't know how to read this. I've already mentioned the book several times. Yeah, we have. Um, you go ahead. You okay. Have, you have something you want to... Oh, I just want to... So those who aren't familiar with Kubrick's The Shining, just kind of a quick overview of what it's about from our good, good buddies at IMDb. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, okay. Uh, three people with varying degrees of mental illness uh, check into a hotel. In a truly supernatural turn, a door in a pantry unlocks itself. <laughs> the end. Okay. <laughs> I think you kind of broke my brain with that one, Mac. Uh, okay, I'm, Adrian, I'm blinking a lot because I need help. <laughs> They should have had me on room 237. Yeah. I would have been like, here's what the movie's right. about. So, IMDb is going to disagree with you? IMDb's Dental Eyes. Well. Trademark, 2018. <laughs> <laughs> a family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where an evil, su- uh, spiritual, almost said supernatural, spiritual presence influences the father into violence while his psychic son sees horrific forebodings from the past and of the future. They're not wrong. Is it forebodings if it's a pre- if it's precognition? <laughs> no, and it's also just foreboding. It's not plural. You have foreboding. Forebodings. You don't have forebodings. If it's plural, it's five boating. <laughs> <laughs> there was at least six boatings in this movie. Okay, and now I'm going to have to use the compressor. Okay. There's all the boats. You need to get a soundboard so we can do it. Because <laughs> that was that was a good moment for him. Um. So yeah, when I, when I the reason it's so hard for me to separate the book from the movie is uh, this book is one of very few movies or books I've ever seen that successfully creeped me out. I'm not that easy to creep out because I pretty much don't believe in this shit. So, uh, but there is there is a scene in room what's actually two seventeen in in the book. Uh, but why did they change it? Go ahead. Oh man. Sorry. <laughs> I have the answer to that. Yeah. Like the thirty-seven thousand miles to, to the, the moon. moon. See, it all uh, comes together. Are you oh fucking my. kidding me? No. <laughs> That's in the yeah. Also, the the sound stage where they faked the moon landing, which doesn't even exist. Sound stage two thirty-seven. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so um, but real quick for the record, they changed it because the hotel that they were filming in didn't want an existing room two seventeen. And room two thirty-seven, the document says says that. But says that actually does have that. that but room didn't they room. film at three hotels? He only fact checked one hotel, as far as I know. They no, they filmed at no. They, uh, there were some it's exteriors. The timber, the it, timber in Portland. All that's a set in this movie. There is no actual interior shot at yeah, a hotel. The, the 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 exterior, the timber, Lynn, timber, timber, timber Lake, yeah. Timberline. Timberline. 
Um, the, the Stanley that Coop King actually based yeah, on, but yeah. They did not have a room 237. They did have a room 217. They did not want them to use room 217 because they were afraid it would make people not want to check in there. And now it has turned out that despite them changing it, room 217 is the most requested room that uh, they have. Let me, let me, let me, let me finish my thing here. Um... So yeah, there's a scene where Danny is standing outside of, of room 217, and maybe he's uh, maybe he's just left to to 217, but the doorknob is turning, and he's and he's staring at the doorknob, and the doorknob is turning, and that I mean, it, actually, I'm getting chills again just remembering it was was so beautifully creepy. It's also the only book in my life I have ever yelled and thrown. <laughs> um, there's a the scene that is again not not in the movie where Danny sees a fire hose and he's afraid it's going to chase him and there's wasps in it and they're going to get him and he's terrified of this hose and he very bravely passes it and as he passes it there's a thump and I because the, it has fallen it's one of these old fashioned fire hoses with a brass nozzle mm-hmm. and it has fallen and I literally went ah and threw my book. <laughs> Um, so that's that's how deeply the book has affected me. And so we, we have agreed that we're going to try really hard not to talk about the book. Um, but I'm just mentioning that because that's going to be hard for me. I, I think, think it's going to be hard for all of us because there's, yeah. some, there's some pointed comparing and contrasting issues. You can also, I think you can get more effectively into Kubrick's mindset by what he chose to put in the movie that's not in the book. If there's something specifically not in the book that he put in there, that's Kubrick. Well, trying to do something. Well, I think we also might let our audience know this is going to be a two-part episode because Possibly. probably because if we if we go over ninety minutes, we'll, we'll yeah. cut it in half. Yeah, so it's a has potential to be a two-parter, but just kind of FYI to keep that in mind as well, gang. Okay. So, um, so can we talk about the opening of the movie? Yeah, yeah let's talk about. I think that's a good place to start. So. I put the DV, uh, the Blu-ray in last night, uh-huh. and the opening started, and my dog stood up at alert and just watched the TV <laughs> for the Get out first of house, Ryan. Get out of the house. Get out of the house. of the movie. Yeah. She was just captivated yeah. with Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, and then she went to sleep just like every other movie I watched. <laughs> or like, like those first two the minutes. <laughs> it's a beautiful shot, like, and, yeah. and, and the score with that shot, I dig that, like, the opening shot yeah. and that score, to me... That sets the tone of the potential, I think, of how it's going to be and how I want it to be. Interesting side note on that. Um, in the miniseries, that's a little more faithful to the book, they do, it, it, when they're driving up to the hotel, they do some helicopter shots of the, of the, the red underline uh, Volkswagen bug going to the hotel. And it's just sort of C-plus TV helicopter yeah. shots. I'm like, don't do that. No, no, this movie's it, like we we've done the helicopter shot. It's been done. No, no, no. Just just we'll assume the car got there. <laughs> um I do to start off with, I just think the little finger thing is ridiculous. What? It's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking weird. <laughs> uh, and I, I I've always thought that was fuck like I was like I I nobody has a has an imaginary friend like that. No. Well, and whenever you're um I mean we've switched mediums, right? And I'm not I'm not getting ready to 
say the B word. Um, we've switched mediums, and so they're going from a from something that Danny is seeing to something that Danny is hearing, um, which, in my opinion, doesn't work. But no little kid does this when they're. I will tell you that my kid talks to herself a lot when she's playing. Yeah. And it is very much just like, oh, what are you doing today? Oh, I'm going to go get my haircut. What are you doing today? Oh, I'm going to go to the zoo and see the purple zebras. Oh, that sounds really fun. Can I go? Yeah, you can come too. Okay. Oh, no, help me. I'm trapped. Like, yeah. that's how it goes. She, like, I'm even, I'm moving from left to right a little bit when I do that, but she doesn't even do that. Like, yeah. I, when I'm watching her play, I cannot tell which of her toys is saying <laughs> what. There's no indication at all. Uh-huh. Like, she knows in her mind, and that's it. I wonder if they did it just for... You know, again, switching mediums for visual purposes. Sure, but he's doing a voice. I was about to say, the voices are so distinct that it wasn't necessary, and it might have been a little more creepy without this, because this just looked like a little worm to me. I am am totally okay with that because, and I won't say the B word, but I will say the M word, the miniseries. (laughs) Tony appears to Danny as sort of a floating ghost of a young man. Yeah. and, and, And tells him all these things. And then at the end... We flash forward 10 years to Danny's high school graduation, and sure enough, Danny is Tony. So yeah, I'll take that over. Tony and was Danny the whole time from the future, telling him things. And see, I was okay with that from the miniseries. Mm-hmm. I was okay with that because mm-hmm. I always thought Fingerworm was weird, and I'm sorry, but that creepy-ass voice, how can you not know you're in a horror film? Hey, do your little voice <laughs> right there. No. I have Kinsey seen. is referring to, and it's it's a very well-known bit of trivia, that Danny Lloyd did not know he was in a horror movie. And that was something else I did while I was watching this movie, was I tried to imagine what Danny Lloyd thought he was doing. Yeah, well, what well, Kubrick was telling Danny Lloyd. Yes. Like, do the funny voice. It's a serious drama. Just do the funny voice. <laughs> because how can you have him not knowing, but then the twins... Because there's a whole fucking shot of them covered in blood. Did, because he's not in the same room. Yeah. No, no, I'm blood saying blood. the two different... Chi- I'm saying the actors, the child actors. Oh. You're telling one child, no, you're oh, not in a horror film, but you're telling these two adorable twins, oh yeah, by the way, two you're... things. One, they're older. Two, they're not twins. Oh, oh yeah, they're two years apart. They're oh, two yeah. years apart. If you look, one of them's actually taller than yeah. the other one. I was trying they're to They're not twins. That. Yeah. I couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah they're not little. twins. Okay. Um, but, okay, so they're older. They're like 8 and 10 or 10 and 12. I forget. Okay. Yeah. Whereas I see. Danny Lloyd was like 5 or 6. Um, also, if you look, he is in very few shots with other people when scary mm. stuff is happening. True. Even when he's having the conversation with... Um, blah. Holloran. Even when he's having the conversation with Holloran, it's a lot of single shots. It's a lot of single shots. Mm -hmm. They like I was like I don't think they're in the same room together. I don't think that Danny is reacting to what Holloran is saying. Mm -hmm. Okay, now see I can understand that, and I did not know that about the girls. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know they didn't look. There's some. They're also somebody's daughter. Somebody that worked on the, the film. The former character. Oh, oh, you're no, behind the scenes. There's somebody's daughter. I forget whose daughters. Daughters. Okay. <laughs> um, I forget whose. Uh, so I would also assume that Kubrick felt more open to being like, "Hey, we're going to cover you guys in blood because you're blah blah blah's daughters, and you know what's going on anyway." Okay. Okay. See, that's that's not having that information. That's that's a little bit. <clears throat> 
I guess the, the scenes that I can't quite figure out are the ones where it looks like he's having a seizure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And there's there's one scene where he's hiding in the stainless steel cabinet, and then he gets out of the stainless steel cabinet, and he runs away. And as he's running away, Jack with the axe is behind him. And I kind of wonder if he even saw Jack with the axe. I don't think he did. Yeah. I also would like to talk about Wendy's wardrobe. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Was there ever anything she wore that wasn't fucking ridiculous? I I don't... I don't understand a fucking thing about Wendy's clothes. Well, let's remove clothes from that sentence. I don't understand a fucking thing about Wendy. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll get to that. we'll, we'll, We'll get to that, but, like, her first outfit was, like, the way you would dress... A little girl in the 60s or 70s for her first day of kindergarten. I think I did wear that dress on my first day of kindergarten that she had on. Or at least for school picture day. Specifically, she requested it, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's (laughs) horrifying. It would be terrible. I'm sorry, Kenzie. It would be terrible to put a child in it, actually. (laughs) And to put an adult woman in it, I was just like, what the fuck? Was it a union suit? What was it she was wearing? She was... It was a, a, she was wearing like a, some sort of red bodysuit. You could see she had red sleeves. It was she had, red tights. And then, and then, yeah, red, um, but everything under the dress was red. I thought it was like a denim jumper. Like, yeah, like it was a like a denim But over dress. red. She had red sleeves. She had red legs. She had red in her neckline. Clearly it was a commentary on the Holocaust. Yeah, the Holocaust. I can totally see that. The, the, totally. Makes perfect sense. I think, yeah. It was German. And there were 42 buttons on it, if you count all the buttons. Yes, there we go. Did you notice, though, that in every scene you could find three objects that you could make a triangle out of? And and you know what that means. Illuminati. Illuminati. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Holy shit. Donna's hands and Ryan's hands just made a triangle, you guys. This show show brought to you by the Illuminati. Illuminati, we've already got you. (laughs) Ryan's hands and, and, and Max's hands now. Actually, they're kind and of... And if I cut out... I'm really an Illuminati recruiter. I'm making triangle hands with everybody. <laughs> Non-negotiable. If I cut I out three... I've always known most of the faculty of RSU was uh, Illuminati. Yeah, yeah. That's how we signed the loyalty exactly, pledge. Yeah. <laughs> to the U.S. and the in, state in, of Oklahoma. In a ceremony, yes. If I cut out three of the people in the circle, the other three form a triangle. Or there's two triangles, and then two goes into two... 37, when there, there's 237,000 miles to the moon. But uh, I'm gold blooming now. <laughs> I think that's incorrect. But did you realize two times three equals six? And if you multiply yes. that by seven, that's 42, 42 which the is the year Holocaust. the Holocaust started. Thus, The Shining is about the Holocaust. Also, if you don't take out three of the people, we technically make the Star of David. Jewish Holocaust. Okay, yeah, we're like really. <laughs> that's, can, that's really all the room two thirty seven. I think we need. Can I? Can I? I want to talk. Like, can we talk about that for a second? Like it being about the Holocaust and yeah. it being about the the massacre of the Native Americans. I can okay. almost see it being yes. about the massacre of Native yes. Americans. That's I feel like that almost makes sense. There might be a commentary here, or that that might have been part of what Cooper was thinking with the yes. Movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah. But here's my thing about that: it does not make it a better fucking movie to me. In no. fact, it fucking pisses me off because I am one thousand percent tired of people using Native Americans as a goddamn backdrop and not hiring a single Native American to do 
fucking anything on the entire movie. Like, if I watch another movie that's like, this is on an ancient Indian burial ground, mm. or the Merrimack Indians used to live here, or yes, this movie is all about the ma the massacre of the Native Americans. If you feel so fucking strongly about it, hire a fucking Native American, you piece of shit. The yeah. is. Right, so box done. Yeah. Okay, so Wendy's wardrobe. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, actually, she didn't look horrible when they were touring the hotel. But then that outfit that she was wearing until the end, again, apparently a union suit with a corduroy jumper and a... Maybe it's like a, a ski suit because it was pretty snowy and maybe cold. So maybe it was kind of a layer And thing? Ugg boots before Ugg boots even existed. I, they had her in a lot of Native American inspired things. Like she was wearing moccasins. Oh yeah, like, she was wearing fucking mo like brown moccasins with her bright red and blue outfit at the beginning. I just don't think Coop like if Coopert really had his druthers, he just would have cut Wendy from the movie altogether. No, I think that she has to be there. I think he realizes that for the the, the, the plot of the story. But if he could have worked it out to cut her out, he would have. It would have Could just been Jack running around the hotel. He clearly ah! didn't give a shit about the character. Or the actress or anything like that. It, it, yeah. It, Wendy is the element of the movie Kubrick, Kubrick cares about the least and the one that he couldn't cut out of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then there's Jack's wardrobe, which on the one hand I really kind of liked, but on the other hand I may be dragging in... Um, the B word. The B word. But when when he arrives for his interview, he is not really well dressed. That suit doesn't really fit him. Mm. Uh, the the tie and the shirt don't really go together. He he looks like a man who's weighed down on his luck. Yeah. He's desperate which, though. Which I mean, he is. No, let me yeah. let me finish. Okay. okay. Until like six months ago, he was working for a high end prep school in New England. His wardrobe has not degenerated that much in six months. He could have dressed nicely for that interview. I attributed that to being the 70s slash I did too. I was just like, like I was 70s. just like, oh, I guess that's what that they is, did back then. That is his good wardrobe. Not, that's what. Well, you, that's all you had to do to be a sex symbol in the those, late 70s, early 80s. Those, that funky knit tie absolutely was an 80s thing. I wore a tie. What more do you want? <laughs> Don't ever do that again. That was, <laughs> that was pretty great. But the, the ill-fitting suit, I think, is is really kind of the problem. Donna, there. when you lose your job and get a drinking problem, you they just give you an ill-fitting suit. <laughs> he just oh got he, he just got out of Shawshank for a six-month run there. Oh, okay, okay. So, uh, but yeah, as far as conveying a man who's down on his luck, they did that. Mm -hmm. I just don't think it really fit. I have a problem with Jack as a character in both the book and the movie. I do, but for different, starkly different reasons in both. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel like in the book, um, King really wants me to empathize with Jack yes. and be on his side. And I'm like, fuck you, he broke his kid's arm. Right. Like, I get that he was out of control, but... There were a lot of decisions that he made yes. to get to that point. And like just no. Right. I like I am never gonna be on his side about that. And, and I think that's the key to where King really dislikes the movie. Because he said several times that the The Shining is one of his most personal books. He identifies 
with Jack. Yeah. 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 And, and he's had yeah. some issues with substance abuse and alcoholism and all that sort of stuff. And and the thing that strikes me about the book, and especially the miniseries, he kind of ratchets, up, ratchets it up in the miniseries because he wrote the teleplay for that. Um, he, he, he wants to frame alcoholism as a disease, which is... Absolutely yeah. correct, yeah. but then he all he goes one step beyond that and says, "Well, when I'm when Jack is drinking, he's not Jack. He has no responsibility over yeah. his actions at all." To the point where Wendy and Danny are just standing there. Well, well, that's not your daddy anymore. He's been drinking. So yeah, and I I did not interpret it that way. And that may be more the miniseries. Okay. Doubling down on that, I do. I get the sense of that from the book, mm. but I get definitely the impression the miniseries the definitely. Yeah. I want to respond to Adrian, and I want full credit for not being the person who broke the no book talk. But um, I reacted to Jack in the book much the same way I react to Shane in Walking Dead. I really love both those characters because they're trying so hard to be something they're not. They both really, really want to be good. And I don't think just... Jack does. No, Jack does. He absolutely in the does. Book. In the <laughs> in the movie, not so much. He wants to no. be a good. He wants to be a good yeah. father. He wants to be a good husband, and he's mm -hmm. taking on this job to make that happen. Right. Um, but he's just he's just not the person he's trying to be, and and that's part of what breaks him down, and it's part of what breaks down Shane. And that'll be the last time I bring up Shane. The, and, and the book, no, it won't get The book tries to give Jack a redemptive arc at the last moment. Sort of the Darth Vader moral yeah. absolution, like, you've been a shit this whole time, but yeah, okay, you did that one good thing right at the end, so we're all going to forgive everything. Mm. And, and it, it gives him this hero's end when he goes down with with the boiler and, and goes up with the hotel. Mm. The movie's not... Kubrick's not that interesting, because you almost get the sense that Kubrick talked to King... Got the book and was like, nah, man, Jack's no good. I, I like honestly, I feel like yeah. Kubrick had a better understanding of what yeah. Jack was than King did because I don't yeah. feel like in the book even that Jack wanted. Like I feel like Jack wanted to be a good person without actually doing any of the things mm -hmm. that he needed to do to be a good person. I don't like. I never got the impression he gave up drinking for a bit. For, for like a hot minute. Yeah. <laughs> and see, this is my problem casting wise with this film. Like, I love Nicholson. I love Nicholson. I think Don't cast him in anything where he's supposed to be a good guy. <laughs> no, not, not so much that. It's just. Because I, I, I've read the book, it's been several years, but there's no arc in this film of, of him slowly going crazy. Like, he shows up to the shining, it's like, I'm here, demons, let's go! Yeah. And, and he's I, at I 11. Disagree. I disagree. We'll get to that in, yeah. in, in, in the and, But he's yeah. still just, to me, he's he's usually at an 11, and there's no, like, subtlety. And I need just I have mm. a little subtlety. Well, then, then the alternative is you get the guy from Wings. And there's no subtlety there, but there's at least the attempt of an arc, and you're like, I don't know if I buy it. But, but <laughs> is, that, is that because it's a TV movie? Like... Or because it's the the actor. Uh, I think it's because it's the actor. I think Stephen Weber is a fine actor. Oh, that's he's his name. Operating on a different level than Jack Nicholson. Well, everyone's operating on a different. I mean, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. You yeah. know, I mean, because um, there's that scene when he like the more awful Jack Nicholson's being, he's still really fucking charming and watchable. Oh no no no! No, I I, I, I agree. Like in, in the uh, the bar, he's screaming and yelling. The 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 uh, Lloyd comes up and and I'm like. 
it's Jack. Jack's fine. Jack's a good. He's not a good guy. As but I want to have a drink with him. As someone that is a super duper fan of villains, and yeah. that's usually like, "Hey, what's up, baby?" Mm-hmm. I can't with him on that. Like, I don't. I don't see the charm. I get. I see. I see yeah. the menace, and I see the eleven. Here's I'll give the him thing. the charisma. He, he, Char- he, that's definitely that's, that's Nicholson, charisma. though. Is 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 all charisma though? I, in, in that making of the Shining documentary, it, it's very verite and just kind of candid and there's just footage of him getting ready to go to work I've and he's so fucking watchable and sharp and has charisma in that moment where you're just yeah where is that where he's jumping around? up and down yeah. yeah. I'm sorry you were, yeah. you were trying to say something I think I, I totally agree that like Jack Nicholson to me seems like a guy who's having fun yes in everything that he's doing yes which makes him just infinitely watchable like when when somebody is having fun doing what they're doing, then I sometimes don't even care if they're good at what they're doing. I'm just... Like, Rihanna. I think she's a terrible actress. I don't care. She looks like she's having fun. She seems like a nice person. I'm like, you go. You do your thing. I will pay money to watch your movie. Rihanna it's great. Rihanna is the Jack Nicholson of the 21st century. She is. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, did you have... Yeah, but the thing I was to say about Jack is that that very opening scene where they're driving up and he starts describing the Donner party to his son, right. the look on his face, he's already crazy then. It's I'd not say, like he's just I, talking to the Donner point, Party. But not he wants the to be them. He wants to be eating the Donner Party. Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> the look on his face. I, my no, theory, yeah, I my wrote, theory is yeah. independent of any supernatural activity. He's bringing those two up to kill them in the winter. Okay. I could. I don't think there's evidence to support that, but I think it's. A, I don't think there's evidence to negate more it. evidence totally than most yes. of the Room Two Thirty Seven <laughs> series. Um, yeah. I will say on on that there is a complete and total lack. of of uh, chemistry between Jack oh, yeah. and Wendy and yeah. Jack and his son. There yeah. is no sign that he gives a shit about that kid. I Shelley Duvall and uh, Wendy and Danny get together like pay, like mother and child a lot when yeah. they're playing together, when uh-huh. they're interacting. Like I'm like, yeah, they are family. Yeah. Jack is an outsider at Every and fucking wants to moment. get rid of these people at the earliest possible opportunity. Jack yeah. is a narcissistic, egotistical abuser, yeah. and yes. Wendy is the cowing enabler. Yes. And Danny is the poor victim. But goddamn, if he's not watchable. I know. Okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> we're done. Yeah, yeah. That, that is it. <laughs> there, like episode. Oh, don't read the Latin. Bye. When, when, <laughs> when Wendy is talking to the doctor, and she's all like, "It's purely an accident." It was, yeah. and, I, and I just want to be like. Like, I was fucking horrified in that scene, and it was so goddamn hard to watch. My, my additional yeah. sort of Room 237-esque uh, theory on that is that the pediatrician is also part of the hotel. Like, they've got them all in ensconced from the beginning, and, and, the, and the pediatrician's like, yeah, yeah, that'll happen. That's the whole thing, though, is that pediatrician is way too chill, and she's sitting right. there describing, you abuse. know, abuse, <laughs> and she's just like, here, hand me a smoke, Wendy, yeah. let me have one of these with you. You know, it's she's way too yeah. chill about it. And I, I was like, was this just the 80s? I don't think so. Even because, that would but, but, be... then I, but then I'm thinking back, and I'm like, no, we still had after-school specials about abuse. Yeah. Like, did, like, did you all notice that... Uh, Wendy quotes it as being five months ago to the psychologist, and Jack says it's three years ago to Lloyd. Well, that sounds like well, some armor. time is very fluid, for sure, in this movie. So yes, yeah. Maybe in his mind it's three years. Yeah. Maybe emotional time. Yeah. Nineteen twenty-one is I, that yeah. evening. Yeah. <laughs> but I think in the book, 
Yeah. I think it touches on that. I could be making this up uh, because I did listen to the audiobook, and sometimes mm-hmm. I don't totally trust my memory right. on exact things that were said in the audiobook or that, that I remember being said in the audiobook. But I feel like it says something about that in the book about him um, always saying that it was further back than it mm. actually was. Hmm. Okay. My thing is, did anyone else... Okay, so as Wendy is telling about this event that may have happened five months ago, three years ago, whatever. In 1921. In 1921. I I had a thought is that they're running from a child abuse investigation. Because they're going from New England and they're in Denver. This This is... Early late seventies, early eighties, and the book gives that full kind of context. But again, the the movie has that Rorschach test quality where the, you could apply yeah, any of yeah. these to it. Yeah. In the book, he lost his job because he assaulted a student. Yep. yep, yeah. They could also be running from that. Yeah, but it's still running from an investigation. Yeah. That's more my. In the book, he's still associated with some of the people at the school, like the guy who got him the job at the Overlook. Yeah. Had an association with the school and was trying to help him out. So Well, yeah. you know, Jack's a good guy. You know, well, he, he he just drinks a little bit. He get you know, and you know how I'm those little shits get. I'm just saying that in the book there's a very clear delineation of activity. <laughs> yeah. I think I figured out why I didn't like the viewing this time as much this whatever I'm trying to say. Um is because I really got the feeling throughout the entire movie that there was more to the story than what mm. we were being presented mm. with. Because, okay. again, like, I've never seen yeah. the book, but I was there was a lot of times where I wished I wished I knew more. Because things on their face, I was like, no, there's more behind that. It doesn't like, this totally act- matter because there's <clears throat> so much that's different. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, reading the... a lot of, there, There's a lot of movies out there where I'm like, oh, I'm sure glad I read the book. Like, the... Um, 2001. <laughs> Just throwing that one out there. Uh, I was going to say, like, a... Uh, Fuck. Ender's Game. Mm-hmm. Like, when I watched Ender's Game, I was like, sure glad I read the book, because that was like the Cliff's Notes version. <laughs> if I, have, I hadn't read the book, I would have no idea what was going on. I have always described The Shining as, excuse me, Kubrick Shining, as a movie with the same title as the Stephen King book and with a lot of similar elements to the Stephen King book, but not the same story. Yeah. Yeah. A completely different ending. Basically, what you just said, Deb, is the whole reason I read The Shining book. Yeah. <laughs> like, because it's like... <laughs> I mean, that's why, like, a couple years ago I read it, it's like, you know what, I've seen both versions multiple what, times. What's kind of interesting is it feels like maybe there was some stuff cut out of the movie that was closer to the book, too, because when Jack is in the weird, glaringly red bathroom with Grady, and Grady introduces himself, and he says, I saw, like, I, I saw you in the newspapers, and there's no through line in the movie of Jack taking a deep dive into overlookology, yeah. Yeah. whereas in the book... A big part of his writing unraveling is that he was writing this play, and then he started looking at newspaper clippings about the the Overlook and wanted to write a book about the Overlook. I think and that, I, but I, I don't think stuff was cut out. I think that Kubrick is yeah. is um, intentionally making you feel like you don't know what's going on. That's possible. Yeah, um, that, that's a through line for yeah. most of his films. Really. Yeah. Um, I. Can we talk about that scene for a minute? The scene in the bathroom? If, if, if we can, if I can just mention one thing bri- briefly. In my in my parents' house, when they were living in Fort Worth, they had a bathroom that was exactly that same shade of red. Why? I don't know. <laughs> and I just called to the Kubrick room, because you go in there and you start having a panic attack. <laughs> I used to have nightmares yeah. about that, because there's also a room in, I think, Amityville, when they bust okay. through the secret wall in oh, Amityville that, 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 It's the same fucking color, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 
It's, yeah, it's, I think it is. <laughs> like, I think that was just the, at the time, the go-to, we need something to be horrifying. Right. Just paint it the shining red. Yeah. Was, <laughs> shining red. was that bathroom, like, two feet too small for those men? Or is that just me? There's like, a they seemed going on. way yeah. too tall to... Like, that bathroom seemed small or something. The urinal seemed really low. Like, felt like... As an experienced urinal user. (laughs) It felt like forced perspective, yeah. Which... It worked. It definitely worked, yeah. yeah, Messed with me. And was not accidental. Anything inside that hotel is not accidental because it had to be built up from from ground up. But go ahead. We can talk about the bathroom more. That conversation where he's like, I recognize you from the papers. You were the caretaker. And Grady's like, no, no, not me. And he's like... Yeah, yeah, you killed your family. And Grady's like, oh no, sorry, so you must be mistaken. And I'm like, what's your plan here, Jack? Like, I'm just like, how does this conversation go? Because you're like, you're that dude that killed your, your family and yourself. And then he's like, oh no, you, it's not, it's not me. And I'm just, <laughs> I think the, funny, the funniest moment in the movie is when he says he's Delbert Grady and Jack gives him this look like, oh no. I mean... I'm psychotic, but this has gone to a different level. <laughs> <laughs> Is that going to plaid, you would say? Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just... Grady? Like, <laughs> yeah. I had a really difficult time taking that scene seriously on this viewing, because mm-hmm. I just kept thinking, what's your exit strategy, buddy? Right. <laughs> how, do you, how do you see this conversation Jack, playing out, Jack? Jack does not have an exit strategy throughout this movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, he does. It's just well, it's everybody eating, dies. It's eating his wife and his. It's eating. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about uh, the scene where Wendy interrupts him while he's quote writing. Unquote. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the reason I had such a, a complicated reaction to that scene because when Wendy first comes up, my, the thought in my head was, "Don't interrupt him while he's writing." I had the same thought too. I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" And and so for like the first. 30 seconds of that scene, I am 100% on Jack's side. And then I really quickly was like, oh no, you're an asshole. He's taking it way too far. I'm like, ease ease up off the gas pedal, Jack. (laughs) Just establish some rules. Like, hey, if I'm I'm working, I'm trying to concentrate. Hey, honey, sorry. I'm just, I'm trying to get that... A little lower, thank you. But no, that's that's why I'm not playing Jack Torrance in The Shining. See, I was one thing is that my husband is an interrupting cow, like all, all the time. Last night I started up this movie, and he was just like, "Hey, I'm gonna have a conversation with you about this. Hey, you know that stupid mobile game we play? Let's talk about this." Oh, hey, da da da. And I was finally like, I took off my headphones and I was like, "Would you like to have a conversation, baby?" And he was like, "Oh, are you doing something?" Huh. And I was like, and I was like wearing my ba- like headphones right. with cat ears that light up, and I'm yeah. like, and that's the ra- rational explanation. Just hey, can you like, hey, I'm, tr- I'm just, I'm trying. I, I want to talk about whatever the hell's going on with our weird boy, but I'm, I'm, I'm really in the zone here. I'm, I've got all work and no play, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a closer, and it's all work and no play. You, you cut my concentration. <laughs> <laughs> but see, but here's the thing that made, that put me on Wendy's side mm-hmm. is that she she pretty quickly led in with I'm gonna make some sandwiches in a little bit, mm-hmm. and dude, interrupt me for food. <laughs> That's fine. I don't care what I'm doing. If your if your opener is I'm gonna be making some sandwiches. That there will be food momentarily. What would you like it to be? I'm like yes, do that. And if I'm remembering right, that's the the scene. After she's clearly doing Jack's job around yeah, the hotel, yeah. I can't remember if it's that one or later on 
when, when she goes to see it. it, it I'm going to say it is, and I could uh, acknowledge. I, I can't remember. I think now. it's a little bit later on. It may be. Uh, I think it's after the rules are established that she, you see her doing Jack's job when she's asking about the weather and stuff like that. Like she tries right. to have the conversation, and then you, you, you very well, but she's doing at the, this his point. We have already work. seen him throwing. Throwing balls at walls. Yeah. And, and, and just staring for no and reason. And just staring for no reason. <laughs> that was an interesting change they made because in the book, it's very clear Jack is working hard at his job. He's changing shingles. Yeah. He's down there three or four times a day checking on the boiler. And he's actually writing. And he's and he's actually writing. He's closing shutters. Yeah. And so in in the movie, he's not he's not apparently not doing his job at all. He's sleeping till eleven thirty and Wendy is taking care of everything and doing his job. And it's just an interesting change. And see, I guess that's, once again, that's another of my Nicholson choice. Nothing, like I said, nothing against Nicholson, but there's no, well, no spectrum. Like, But he, he's sort of, the in the movie, the ultimate men's rights activist. Yes. I, 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 I am not doing anything I'm supposed to be doing, but you're all interrupting me from it. Yeah. And, and you're dragging me down, and I'm, you know. Yeah. Yeah, working towards some elevated purpose that... I can't really define also, it. Also, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, though I found the sound and color changes in this movie very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Like when the, Dan... Oh, he's on the... Yeah, yeah the... The... the yeah. Like, that was just... Dude, with the headphones on, I was like, I just kind of want to listen to this. Can we just put this on and listen? Yeah. And, and, and without any sort of ulterior motive, that's such a great design thing for the movie because he does the... It, I only know he does it three times because Room 237 goes on oh, and on. Yeah. <laughs> but there's three scenes of him, and, and the last one is when he rounds the corner and sees the twins. And that rhythm so lulls you into a sense of comfort that... This is one of the extended shots that I thought was really good. Right. And then in the last one, he turns the corner and there are the twins. So you're so comfortable almost with white noise at that point. And then when the twins show up, you're like, holy shit, where did they come from? Yeah, it's not just the white noise though, but every room he goes into is a different color palette. Yeah. And almost monochrome. So you're like, you're in a blue room and now you're in the mahogany room and now you're in the orange room and now you're in the hallway. What the fuck? Like, it's really, really well done on that. What you got, Ryan? I think the thing that Kubrick does the most well goes back to the oh. that spinning with the tricycle? Trice- we'll call it tricycle. Yeah, with the tricycle. It's because everything is just constantly changing and mm-hmm. nothing is consistent. Yeah. And so as you're watching, you don't notice the inconsistencies, at least not all of them. No one could notice all of them. Like the dopey disappearing from room 237, all that stuff. But I no, think that room all... it, was, it was his bedroom... In, yeah, in, in Denver, but okay. um, from Room Two Thirty Seven, the documentary yes, yes, where okay. I picked yeah, up on it. I, thought, I, was like, um, no I think Kubrick is just kind of reaching into your brain and just uh-huh. switching your subconscious dials yeah. because you don't have the presence of mind to notice the typewriter changing and all this. But it makes you hell of uncomfortable as you're watching it. Yeah, I always notice the typewriter change, but that's me. I think like the <laughs> floor patterns changing yeah, and other things. Absolutely. They're just constant well, continuity and... errors, but they're not errors yeah. because they're on purpose and they're just. Fucking with your brain. The Office is one of my favorites because you have that long shot. This is the other long shot that I think is really good. Where Jack comes in, he goes to the the interview. Yeah, for the interview. He comes in, you see the the windows and the doors behind him. He goes to the desk. The woman says, 
Uh, he's waiting for you. He's got the he's, office. He's waiting the for you. Yeah, the room is on his office is on the left. Yeah. So Jack goes. The windows and everything are on his right. You can yeah. see out over the, the mountain on the left, right. Yeah. Um, screen right. As you're seeing, as he's at the desk, the windows are all yes. to the left. Yeah. Yes. And so then when he when he's walking though they're they're yeah, on his, his right. Yeah, and then he turns left. Into the dude's office, which is an interior room, yes. which has no courtyard behind it, and there is a window behind the guy's desk yeah. that shows bright sun, shining trees, and everything. Vista, yeah. And I've always loved that shot because it's very clear because <laughs> they actually go through the hallway that's yes. right behind his office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's there there cannot be a window there, yeah. and they do this long shot yeah. that proves to you there cannot be a window there. Yeah. I just like it. Room 237 backs that pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. You might have liked that sequence. Yeah, well, it's unfortunate about that first 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> or the, the second 10 minutes, or most of the 10 minutes. I couldn't watch more than, like, five minutes in a row. I had to get up, and just, like, Betsy was wearing headphones and doing patient notes. I just, like, made her take off her headphones so I could explain, like, it's the worst! <laughs> you see what they're doing on this TV screen? So you interrupted her while she I was I interrupted writing. her while she was working. <laughs> so, funny Ryan, story. when you hear me typing, <laughs> you don't hear me typing. Ryan, buddy, twice if you need help. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to tell you guys, as as both of you are watching this and just blowing up our, our, our I Am discussion about it, I'm at home cackling. I'm oh cackling. And I'm like, Billy, I love this so much. He's like, like I, I, I told him it was gone, so, but I was like, just look. And I'm just, the whole time, I'm just cackling madly, and I'm just, I'm loving it, so thank you guys. I don't think there's a way to communicate clearly to another human how crazy, how <laughs> batshit stupid Room 237 is. And, like, what drives me the craziest is there's some, like, really good film analysis, like, on the unicycle, uh, yeah. the tricycle scene. How that it is goes, not a unicycle, Ryan. <laughs> but how it goes up a floor on the third one without ever yeah. touching the stairs. It's still a continuous right. shot. Like, that's really good analysis. And the conclusions they reach based on their analysis are just so fucking stupid. <laughs> and they're so lacking of evidence. Like, they're the kind of things I would fail out of a Comp 1 class. If you told me you saw a German typewriter in the number 42 in a movie, so it was about the fucking Holocaust, I'd fail you. <laughs> you are not smart enough to be at a community college. <laughs> Don't forget a can of baking powder means it's about the Native American genocide. Can I yeah. talk about the guy that said that real quick? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> because his story... I feel like we're not going to get anywhere if you don't. So his story, when he starts talking, he, like, I read somewhere once that you can tell when somebody's lying because they put way too many details into their story. Yeah. And he, he's like, I was sitting in the theater with my left hand. Was it my left hand? Yes. My left hand on my belt buckle and my right hand gripping the arm on chair because I knew I was seeing something new. And then skip ahead and he's like, when we left the theater from the underground car park, I was sitting in the back left seat and I said to my friends, I think this movie was about the massacre of the Native Americans. And I was like, that was the moment where I was like, you fucking did not and I'm turning this goddamn movie off. <laughs> I don't the, like to hear his friends' reactions. Right. Like, like oh, Jesus, oh. George. <laughs> according to his friends, they or according to him, his friends were all stupid and were like, I don't know what you're talking about, but he is a higher being. <laughs> Two days ago, I tried yeah. to describe Room 237 to Ryan, and Ryan had this look on his face like, 
what? <laughs> and I'm like, just, just watch it. <laughs> now all of you know why I open with this. It's Gonzo. Yeah. And I love it. Yes. It's yeah. Gonzo. I don't love it. Oh, I love it because it's Gonzo. I would go out and put the, try to diagnose the problem. I think the problem is that Kubrick did all of these things on purpose, all of these details changing, and to reach into people's brains yeah. and fuck with them, and to turn on this like fearful, uncomfortable emotion. Yeah. And these other people are too analytical, and they don't understand it's about the feeling. And so they're trying to come up with like a My cohesive husband. explanation. They're trying to come up with, uh, with something linear for a movie that is pointedly disinterested in yeah. any kind of linear thought. My husband was talk- had an interesting thing about conspiracy theorists. He was like, you know, I think the same people, or like, like conspiracy theorists and the people who pull apart movies and try to figure out what all of the different clues mean are really the same people. Oh, it's yeah. just one, like, one group of them has gone batshit and are trying to find a narrative in real life where there is no narrative, and the other group has been like, no, fuck real life, it has no narrative, let's focus on this thing that does. Yeah. Okay, all right. Fair enough. Um, Debbie, did you have anything you want to talk about? I know um, you're pretty good about jumping in when you Yeah, yeah, I jump in when I have some. I mean, Kinsey and I were talking on the way over here about Room 237 and how... You know, I told her, I said, I like hearing about a good conspiracy theory. I'm like, yeah, sure, maybe, you know, but Room 237, I was immediately, like, turned off of it. I was like, nope, you people are, the like, point. a next-level conspiracy theorist to the point of... They're, they're like Pizzagate fuckers. It's like they're orbiting <laughs> the fucking Earth. With that was fake, just, Debbie. <laughs> no, the well, orbits no, are real. The, the moon landing is fake. The video is fake, though. The moon landing is <laughs> real. The, the, the that motherfucker. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, no, 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 no. The Mag- point I lost oh, uh, any uh, any respect for the filmmakers of Two Thirty Seven was when this guy is talking and you hear a kid crying in the background. Yeah, and then he goes, "Oh, can you hear my son? Let me go get that." And they Mag- don't stop. Hang on a second. Clunk. It, it's 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 bad podcasting, not even yes. bad documentary filmmaking. Like, that seems very know. intentional to me. That but seems what like, is it? What are they trying to say, Ryan? I thought Room 237 was very clearly mocking the, the people yeah. by letting them go on this long. It was like a cautionary ah. tale and confirmation bias. <laughs> but the, the moon landing guy was the worst part because he like said, like I came up with a list of emotions Stanley Kubrick must have dealt with after faking the moon landing. And then I watched The Shining, and each deviation from Stephen King's novel came onto my list of Stanley Kubrick's imagined reactions. Thus, it is about the moon landing. That's fucking... Like, are you fucking kidding me? This man is an academic, probably with tenure. Where's my tenure for pointing this shit out? <laughs> you can go in this podcast and, and ask for I, I, tenure. I, I think... The, Do they give the, the you tenure source... at community colleges? No. <laughs> Possibly. But I'm an adjunct, and being an adjunct is so far from being tenure. <laughs> it's like being McDonald's fry cook and asking, like, can I be CEO now? <laughs> this guy found all these people based on essays, see my air quotes, written on the internet. <laughs> and so it's definitely essays on the internet quality thinking. Okay, I want to talk about one essay that I read on the internet that mm-hmm. I thought was actually really, really good. Before you start the essay, and please. No! Yes. Okay. So, you want another example of how my Debbie and I work together here? I showed this to her several years ago, and she was like, yeah, it's okay. And then now as we're talking about it, she's like, 
that is so fucking gonzo and just crazy. <laughs> yeah. But the first time, she's like, yeah, yeah. I think I was trying to be nice about it. And honestly, like, I was, you know, again, because I like a good conspiracy <laughs> theory, um, because they're entertaining. Um, but when we sat down to watch that movie, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. They're going to pick it apart and it's going to all make sense. And it did not make sense. And so I was disappointed. That I didn't get a good conspiracy theory out of that. But I just wanted to give you more evidence, Mac, for your uh, yes. your, your theory of my Debbie and I. All right, I'm sorry, Adrian. Um, okay, now I first read this essay a few years ago. I believe I have found it again, but I didn't think to look for it until literally this moment. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to credit this one anyway. It's called How the Shining is All About Abuse, and it's by Penelope de la Cruz. Um, anyway... What I love about this particular essay is it, it picks apart things that do make sense mm -hmm. about it being a movie in which people are trying are, are stuck in a cycle of familial abuse and yeah. trying to get out of it. And one of the things, one of the interesting things that I thought it pointed out is that throughout the movie, when you see Danny on his tricycle, he's turning left. He's turning left over and over and over again. He only ever turns left. And then at the end of the movie, when he and Wendy are running through the hedge maze, they're turning left, they're turning left, they're turning left, and they don't escape Jack until they turn right. Mm. That's the moment that they get away from it and they get out of it. Um, it also talks about the, the cycle being that uh, Danny is Jack, is the guy from before, is Grady. Like, these people are all the same people, and that's why time is kind of wishy-washy and non-linear, and why Danny is sometimes going in and out, and why things are so weird at times, because all of them could be each other at any given point, and Danny is the only one that manages to get away. Interesting. Um, it also kind of touches on, like, sexual abuse, mm. um, and how you go essentially from the scene in which Danny and Jack have the incredibly awkward conversation on the bed yeah. when Danny Oof. goes to get his fire truck. Like, I, that was fucking weird. Yeah. And it talks about how you can't actually see Jack's hands. Like, you see mm. them, and then Jack moves them down out of frame, and you can't see his hands anymore. And Danny is just still and uncomfortable and like essentially he looks dissociated mm -hmm. and then the next big story element we get is room 237 and danny goes in we don't see what happens right. and then when he exits he is shell-shocked his shirt is torn and when jack goes in the camera is actually starts out too low mm. for jack's perspective and Jack is made to look very small in that shot. Uh -huh. And so the idea is is that it's it's both of them. Right. Like mm. what is happening in that room is is both. I can see that. Yeah, that was that's actually one of my favorite interpretations of the movie. Mm. And it was like the whole argument is basically like this isn't a ghost story, this is a story about abuse. Mm -hmm. Right, which is why I, my synopsis was like really nothing supernatural pointedly happens yeah. except for that door unlocking that he's that Jack's trapped yeah. in. That's the only undeniably supernatural thing that couldn't be explained with delusion yeah. or, or, or something like that. I would also argue for Scatman Crothers' psychic powers. I think the way they're yeah. framed with like oh. the loud, high-pitched like keening yeah. noise, yeah. Mm -hmm. and then his voice without his mouth moving, mm -hmm. I don't know that there's a non-supernatural explanation Delusions. for that. Delusions, possibly. But, but also, there's. Yeah. It, I think it's in this essay. It talks about his his room, 
his house. Yes. And how it's fucking weird. Really weird. Yeah. It's a really fucking weird house. Mm. And so the idea here is that it's not his house. Right. It's whatever the fuck Danny pictures. Right. Mm. It, or in the alternative, it, it's Danny seeing into uh, Halloran's mind. Yeah. That there's some abstract adult thinking in there. That's why you see the uh, the, uh, yeah. the, the naked pictures on yeah. the wall. Because when you cut to later and Halloran's trying to make calls to Colorado to make arrangements, it's a totally normal house. Yeah. There's nothing weird about once we see Halloran again. Huh. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Cause like I'm like, that's a fucking weird bedroom. Yes. Like I know some weird kinky people. That is a weird fucking bedroom. He has As... a tremendous amount of lamps. <laughs> <laughs> because he shines. Uh, oh, that's a bit. Oh my fucking god. I, I think that's a bit not compared to all the other things we've had. But now, as far as the um, the only undeniably supernatural thing, it absolutely could be just a coincidence that Halloran is sitting uh-huh. in his in his home in Florida, going, "Man, I'm worried about those people." That yeah. that that could you that could, could make that link. Yeah, I yeah, would be fucking happen. if if. if Jack Nicholson. Oh yeah. Like if Jack Nicholson acting like that mm-hmm. was there, I'd be like, like honestly, the moment they got there, I'd be like, man, do you think this is a good idea? Them? Yeah. Are you sure? Did you talk to him? Because like, he's fucking creepy. Like, we've had a problem with caretakers killing everybody before, and this is the guy you bring in. I'm doing my Jack when asking. <laughs> like Jack's like, you're gonna hire me? Of course, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill everybody. <laughs> Maybe that's why he wore the bad suit. Maybe. Is that he didn't want to get hired, but he's going through the motions. Because the movie's all an audition reel for Batman. (laughs) 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 All right. Or, I'll probably do my Nicholson laugh naturally at some point. (laughs) Can't do it on on command. Um, I want to talk about Jack. (laughs) There we go. I want to talk about Jack waking up from his dream and informing his wife that he had just dreamed about killing her. I would lie. (laughs) I'd be like, I had a terrible dream. And if my husband was like, what'd you dream about? I'd be like, zombies. I will lie that I dreamed about sleeping with you. Okay, I'm certainly going to lie that I dreamed about killing you. (laughs) And I just woke up and I dreamed about killing you. I'm pretty uncomfortable with this information. (laughs) (laughs) If you told me that, I'd be like, this sounds about right. (laughs) And if I heard that from Don, I'd be like, what did I do, Donna? I'm sorry, what? No, I'd be like... (laughs) Or even if I didn't lie, I'd be like, I don't know. Like, like I wouldn't be like, I dreamt that I killed you and I chopped you into pieces. Right? Oh my God. Especially, especially, okay, like, I might tell Norman the truth. I might, um, because I am five foot three, and um, not capable of physically overpowering she him. She keeps telling us that, and I, I buy it less also... every time. <laughs> you don't have a history of abuse. Exactly, as far as I know. that's he the other does. thing is right. I, I don't have a history of abuse, whereas Jack does, and so. If I were in that point in my relationship where I had just broken my child, dislocated my child's shoulder. Five months ago. Five months ago. Or three years. And stuck <laughs> in a place 
for an extended amount of time with just us and, and we're healing, I would not be like, I dreamt I, I killed you and chopped you into pieces. She'd be like, I'd be like, I had the worst dream. What was it? Oh, I don't know because I'm not a fucking asshole. Yeah, you're also not Jack Nicholson. Jack yeah. could all. Jack probably has dreamed about killing Wendy before, but he's Jack Nicholson, so he's I dreamed I killed you, Wendy. She's like, <laughs> okay, you want some sandwiches? <laughs> no, he wants that giant tub of fruit cocktail that Wendy opened for yes. three people. Yes. That's what he wants. <laughs> so much fruit but what does the fruit cocktail mean? My notes on that scene are (laughs) my writing process involves sleep screaming too. (laughs) He's just face down at his writing desk, just sleep screaming. How is that part of your process? For what he wrote, I think it was an essential part of his process. (laughs) Reminded me of when my dog is dreaming and like barking and running and yeah, I was just like, because it went on and on and on, and I was just like, I don't, I I don't think I've ever had multiple screams. Like I've woken up and been like, ah, but not more than one. I think think, night terrors. I've had a few night terrors and like screaming bloody murder in the middle of the night mm. in a different room, like in a different room than where I laid down to go to sleep. So, but I think in the context of Jack wanting. Having always intended to kill Wendy and Danny at the hotel, he's just fucking with her. Like, I'm just gonna pretend to sleep. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. Dreamt I killed you, but I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> I like your interpretation. Yeah. Um, speaking of Jack's writing desk, I do want to get into some typewriterology. I'm, yeah, it, it's not it's Holocaust related. It is absolutely a German typewriter. I own an Adler. Adlers are weird. They don't have the right typeface on them. You'd think Courier or something close to it for most typewriters? No, it's it, it, the Adler I have actually has a, a font that almost looks like Comic Sans as you type it. Yeah, really strange. It's not quite Comic Sans, but it has a sort of a you know a bulkier, more bulbous sort of uh, Round letter roundness. roundness to it. Yes, um, there in. Room 237 mentions that the typewriter changes once. It changes twice. There are three separate Adlers at Jack's desk over the course of the movie. Point one. Uh, When Wendy starts looking over all the pages, which she probably shouldn't have done, I mean, because, I mean, he's still working on that. (laughs) When he's ready to show it, he'll show it to you. It's all in normal typeface. I don't think that was written on that typewriter. Or any of those three typewriters. Because it was not huh. accurate. Because it wasn't the right font. Hmm. Also, also, there was the one scene where you actually see him typing. Or I think it's actually after she, he yells at her and she leaves and then he starts typing again. He's not typing all work and no play, make Jack No, he's boy. not. Because the space bar has a very distinct sound as opposed to the other keys. He is typing twice space, twice space, twice space. He's not writing those words. Hmm. I don't, I don't attribute any meaning to that, but that's Max Typewriterology Corner. Hmm. I think okay. maybe that's the '70s version, or eight, I guess, 1980 version. Yeah. Of like bad, when you bad see, computer type yeah, like when yeah. you see the CSI stuff yeah. and somebody goes, "Oh, let me just hack this," and they just basically do that with the. But if I were <laughs> Kubrick, with that attention to detail, I'd be like, Jack, you're not typing the right sentence. Type it right. <laughs> 
I don't even think Kubrick really told Jack what to do. Let's, yeah, that's probably true. Let's be honest, Kubrick's like, I know that. So we talked for almost two and a half hours about The Shining, and we decided that was too long for a single episode. So we're going to take a break right here, and we'll pick it up again. I think I'll just release it next week instead of waiting for two weeks. So we'll see you back in one week for the continuation of our discussion of The Shining. Thanks. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.